You're in a music studio. Uh, just in my home studio. Nice. That's sick. All right. Uh, all right. Restream is firing up now. I believe we are live. So, uh, oh, no, it's there it goes. Yeah. All right. Now we're streaming. Welcome, everyone. This is Cannabis Marketing Live. I'm your host, Jake Lickie, the CEO at MediaGel. I have a couple of guests with me today, and we are going to talk about cannabis beverages. Um, Abe, why don't you introduce yourself, and then and Rodney, you follow suit. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks, Jake. Super excited to be sitting with another legend over here in the cannabis beverage space, but my name's Abe Miller. I'm one of the co-founders of Uncle Arnie's Cannabis Beverages, where California's premier and leading cannabis beverage brand right now, uh, and also the vice president of sales for us too. So that's me. <laughs> and uh, my name is Rodney Bost. I'm a chief of operation and one of the owners at Raise Lemonade. Uh, we produce currently in Washington, expanding to California uh, right now as we speak. In fact, finishing up a building down there. And in Washington, are kind of the dominant uh, beverage brand in Washington for cannabis beverages. So, great. Well, I have lots of questions. I myself am a fan of cannabis beverages. I know that some people are not maybe a big fan of the model or have questions about its viability compared to, you know, flour and stuff. But um, in Washington, um, I have not actually been up to Washington to have your product. So, Rodney, I'm just going to start with you. If you could. Give us a little bit of the like the short version because we'll have questions about the details, uh, but sort of the the cliff notes version of how you started, when you started, and kind of the big milestones that happened between then and now. Sure, I'll try to give you the short version. Um, yeah. <laughs> my partners Dan and Raymond Kenny. Uh, Ray was going to school working on his master's in plant genetics, and Dan had a construction company, and it was right at the time that marijuana was becoming legal in the state of Washington, they decided they should start a marijuana company. Uh, they had a, a tier three grow here in Washington, but decided that everybody in the state was going to be coming with the same story that, hey, we've got the best flower in the state. They decided they needed to have something that set themselves apart, and so they started uh, the Lemonade. Um, in 2015, they began selling the cannabis lemonade and did so um, on their own with, you know, I joined the team in 2019, basically. In 2019, we made a decision to stop growing marijuana and focus solely on the lemonade and simply get better at what we were doing well and, and learn how to perfect it to the best of our ability. Great. Um, and talk to me a little bit about the, the process. So you're not, you're not producing the plants at all. You're buying isolate or resin or or some sort of products and um have you gone through variations of finding better ways to to get the uh the thc or or cbd or whatever it is into the liquid yeah you know over the over the years we've learned um you know kind of where our benchmark is for the quality of distillate you know we use premium distillate um stuff that tests all over 90 percent um, Dr. Gu Yong Wu, we have a PhD food scientist on staff that does all of our emulsion and flavor profiles. And yeah, she's got several versions of emulsions and suspensions that she's worked on over the years um, and nailed down the ones that work well in our drinks, as well as our future brands that we plan on releasing. So um, okay. yeah, she's, she, we, all of our emulsions are in-house, all of our flavor profiles are in-house. So. And today, what is the, um, 
What is the product mix you have in the market in terms of uh, low dose, high dose? I know those are kind of subjective terms, combinations of different cannabinoids. Um, what are you having in market now? Yeah, man, I love this discussion of high and low dose. Um, in Washington, you know, 98% of our sales as a company are high dose drinks, 100 milligram drinks. Um, we do have 10 milligram drinks. We have, we did away with our 25 milligram drinks, but we, 98% uh, of our sales come from the 100 milligrammers. But I think it's really important for people to understand this, this argument, high and low dose. Um, really, yeah. a 100 milligram bottle is simply multi-serving bottle. No different than a bottle of Jack Daniels. You wouldn't sit down and drink a whole bottle of Jack Daniels, although some people may. Some people may drink a whole bottle of a 100 milligram cannabis drink and be fine. But for everybody and all over the board and in between, there's varying levels of how much cannabis you need for your dose, right? So know your dose. So um, this argument of, of 100 milligram versus um, 10 milligram or two milligram or higher low dose, I think there's place in the market for both drinks. What's most important is putting quality beverages into the market for cannabis beverage users to, uh, or even the first time user trying to cannabis beverage, something that tastes great, a quality drink. That's the most important thing to us at Raise Lemonade is making sure that uh, we put out the best drink possible and really love it when other great drinks like Uncle Arnie's and Paps and some of the other guys that are coming to the market with great products, put a quality drink in market. It's going to only increase our market share as a whole category, the more cannabis beverage users we have. Yeah, that's a, that's a great attitude. And, um, and I think it's pretty healthy too. Yeah. If you've got a product category and you go to your retail or delivery or whatever it is, and there's just one thing on the shelf, that's not, that's not a great consumer experience, right? A, people like to have variation, but B, the presence of multiple brands in a given category gives, I think, some more gravitas to that product. Um, and says that, okay, this isn't just like a, a one-off, you know, random idea that someone had. It is actually a good product category. Well, and that's, that's a great point. And, and if you have, if you have a consumer going to the store and buy a product, you know, let's, I'm not going to, uh, you know, picking anybody's brand. Everybody's doing the absolute best they can, but man, there's some products out there that just simply don't taste that great. And if you're a brand new cannabis beverage consumer and you go into a store and buy one of those products, you may say, Hey, cannabis beverages are not for me. So that's the most disheartening thing I can see when I go into a store, um, if they have products on the shelf, but uh, maybe not the products they should have on the shelf. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Ave, talk to us about Uncle Arnie's. Where where are you now? Um, actually, you've got some interesting news going on that maybe you want to talk about in terms of where you are as a company. But um, give us a, the high level on, on Uncle Arnie's and, and your journey here. Yeah. Um, you know, I started, I started out in the cannabis space here in California with select oil. I did all their product formulation and made all their cartridges, left them, started to do consulting and ended up actually meeting my other co-founder, Matt, um, at a dispensary opening. And he had just founded space station at the time, which was in still is one of the more premier cannabis beverage manufacturing facilities in the state. Uh, in 2019, they were like one of the only people actually really infusing beverages at scale. And uh, he had a low dose beverage that he was selling and pitching at the market at the, at the dispensary. And I tried it, you know, him and I got along really well when we first met each other. And uh, he also heard some feedback from some other people about just sales and things like that and to make sure to contact with me. And, about a month and a half later, him and I met up four months later, Uncle Arnie's came out May 4th, 2020. Um, 
the journey coming here has been insane. You know, when we launched in 20, in 2020, uh, there was not all beverages were like 20, 25 bucks. Um, none of them really tasted the best. Like Rodney was saying, that's the, that's the biggest thing that's missing in the market. And at the time when we entered the space was there wasn't, there were beverages here, but they weren't priced right. Uh, they weren't as effective and they didn't taste really well. And Matt did all of our product formulations for all eight SKUs that we had. So all the formulations were all in-house. Uh, we have a partnership with Bertosa, one of the leading manufacturers for uh, emulsion in the country. And, you know, we launched Uncle Arnie's and we just interviewed about 150 different buyers and got the feedback. Drinks never tasted good. They needed to be 10 bucks, taste good, and they needed to be effective. And uh, we came out with the Uncle Arnie's iced tea lemonade and we were the cheapest beverage for about a year and a half. And we were the second most affordable edible in the state of California. So we launched at $10. So we basically bottomed out the market over the last three years and try to make beverages make sense to uh, the cannabis consumer here to want to convert and try a beverage and also um, mass volume sales. So the retailers could actually believe in the, uh, actually have a belief in purchasing cannabis beverages and them wanting to be enticed to purchase them for their store. So um, once we met up, we launched the brand and a year and a half later, my new partners came in. They were our original seed investors, uh, Theo, Asaf, Jimmy, and Alberto. And, you know, we've really shaped the business a lot over the last two and a half, three years. And here we are now the number one selling cannabis beverage in California. So it's kind of like high level on how I met Matt how we started Uncle Arnie's and the way that we did and where we're at now. Okay. And you said you were, you brought your product out as $10 serving, and that's what, 10 milligrams of Delta 9? THC, yeah, 100 milligram beverage, yeah. 10 cents per, 10 cents per every 10, 10 milligrams. Oh, so it's ten dollars for a hundred milligram beverage. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, my my internet's not doing great today. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but okay, so you've got that in market now. Um, you're you said you're number one in California. Um, where do you see? Um, I know that one of the issues around beverages that I've seen with delivery specifically is around the physical space and volume that beverages take up inside of the ice cream truck model. Um, how does that impact, you know, your distribution and when you're working with buyers uh, to get your product uh, to consumers? Uh, you know, a lot of the dispensaries, not now, at least over the last three years, everybody's continued to evolve and build in more space, but you know, three, four or five years ago, a lot of the dispensaries were really built on like the almost like the smoke shop style model and very, very small space. You know, they were really only smelling flour in those smaller packaged goods. Um, so it, it's definitely been a hurdle, you know, eating up the back storage space. Some dispensaries still don't even have that much space, but they're trying to purchase on volume. And when it came to distribution over the last three years, you know, nobody really just wanted to distribute beverage. It was heavy. It takes up a lot of storage space mm -hmm. and uh, it's really hard on the workers. So, uh, you know, I think the maturity of the market and just seeing volume and seeing the space really come alive has been like the thing that's really converted a lot of these buyers to commit to continuing to eat up 
that back storage space. Plus there's been a lot of evolution just from, you know, the build outs of dispensaries and people are continuing to scale and make them larger and also making their inventory space larger because there's more brands. They have to continue to purchase more product in order to keep up with the revenue and with their projections and inventory projections. And I think through that and through retailers uh, accepting cannabis beverages really over the last three years, uh, for themselves has leaned into distributors wanting to actually purchase it more and seeing it as a viable source of revenue for their distribution model. So uh, we've gone through three different distributors over the last uh, three years between Hardcar, Unrivaled, also Humble and Fume. And now we've finally, you know, found our way home with uh, herbal distribution and, uh, you know, they were already built ready kind of for this space and for beverage and just mass scale distribution. And I think that's the the big thing is you just got to identify the right partners and make sure that they believe in the space. And, you know, through that just took some time in order to really convince and get these people to believe in what we're doing and seeing it as a, a viable category. So given your market position, you probably have access to, access to some interesting analytics, um, you know, share what you're comfortable with. But what have you seen in terms of sales trends in California for consumers? And um, I'm quite curious about what you know about repeat customers and buying cycles. Um, do you have a cohort of customers at this point that are buying you know, on a, on a regular basis, like this is now kind of part of their routine in one form or another. Um, and you know that they're on a, on a purchase cycle. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of that, at least with dispensaries, a lot of that led with just distribution and being able to get to the stores quicker, you know, people are buying beverages. I think that cannabis consumers were like always curious about it. There just was never anything that made sense to them dollar wise, because the elect market is so strong here. Um, but now, you know, we're, we're averaging around a thousand dollars a month for our average order size, which is give or take like eight to nine cases. So, you know, almost 240 units, a, a dispensary is moving on a monthly average. And a lot of our stores we're seeing, you know, averages anywhere from 10 to 12 units a day, some are lower to, th to three units a day, but, um, those are usually the smaller tier dispensaries like cake house and, Wildemar, for example, I think they move some days they move 30 units, some days they move 10. Um, so consumers are definitely uh, they're purchasing and purchasing on a daily basis, too, as well. Now that they're that they found like their niche and the kind of product that they're enjoying for at least beverages specifically. Um, and based on the order cycles that we're seeing with all of our dispensaries, you know, people are purchasing, they're purchasing more. Uh, you just have to find the right distributor and the right model in order to be able to get to the dispensaries quick enough and keep at the top of their mind. So they're wanting to purchase and not stock out. And uh, even through, even through the last three years, purchasing with inventory and for buyers has just evolved over time too, as well. You know, there were times two years ago that we would be stocked out at stores for three weeks and there's consumers that are literally screaming at the buyers. I've heard this from multiple dispensaries that they're screaming at the buyers that they don't have Uncle Arnie's in the store when ultimately it was, you know, their, their poor purchasing that they weren't actually buying the product and paying attention to their inventory because it was never a space that they actually cared about um, and making sure that they're staying in stock. And then there was the other part of it, not having a great distributor and taking 21 days to get to a store. 
you know, you can't really scale and also convince consumers to continue to purchase and a buyer to continue to invest in that inventory if you don't have the combination effect of all those things. So, so it sounds like you're in a, a pretty good place now. You've got distribution worked out. You've got, it sounds like your sales are growing nicely. Consumers are adopting your product. Um, do you see any friction at the bud tender level in terms of, um, how much because that, that's obviously very important right you've got the people that are talking to the customers and whether or not they believe in a product category can have a big impact on um your sell-through how has that evolved or where, where where does that stand today um i mean three years ago butt tenders were excited you know like people are just excited about weed plain and simple you know i don't think that butt tenders really care about uh this that or the other product i think that they're just excited about cannabis and um ever since we launched it's always been extremely positive feedback you have the people that don't enjoy it and you're not going to satisfy everybody but for those that do which is a good majority of them you know they're excited about cannabis beverages and they're selling the hell out of it so it's been positive for us um and there are some bud tenders that you know they say that they're only the flower consumers and same with even customers too as well. And I think over time, just with the proper education and trying to really relate to them that at the end of the day, it's all cannabis, right? And it's all about how you layer it into your the ways that you consume throughout the day to make the experience more uh, more pleasurable for you. You know, I'm a flower smoker by heart. I smoke a half ounce a week. Like I smoke weed all day long and I dab and I eat edibles, but um, I'm not only a flower smoker and this is all I do, or I'm only a dabber and that's all I do. You know, I get home from work whenever I'm done at the office, I go to the gym at five to 6 PM. Once I get home, I'm ready to start smoking and ready to start getting my fun, my fun evening going. And I crack open a beverage, drink a beverage while I'm sitting there cooking dinner and eating. And then taking a dab, maybe I'm after done with after I'm done with dinner and rolling up a joint waiting for the movie, you know what I mean? So I think like through the education of that and just trying to really convince the bud tenders, like that's, you know, how cannabis is, um, is continuing to help at least that market side. But for us, it, it's been super positive. You know, the thing about bud tenders is you just have to keep them excited about brands. It's almost like when I worked at Zoomies, like, you know, there would be certain categories that we would excel in in certain months. May that be like socks or may that be shirts or watches and accessories. Um, and we would see certain spikes in that month. And it was always whenever those reps would come in, talk about their products, get them excited, drop off some samples, like Stance would send us a box of Stance socks. And, you know, for three months, we would see the sock category just explode and we would want to push them up to the front, make sure they looked all clean and make sure that we're driving customers to that one area just because we're excited to talk about it. So I think, you know, making sure that that sampling program is good and keeping the bud tender is high on your product and excited is what wins them over. And it's what's helped us out. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I've seen beverages get more popular. I thought they were a good category. I continue to think they're a good category. Um, I like them personally. And um, although I actually personally, I like the um, a format where it's like the all in one, just like one can or bottle, you know, it's five or 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever that what we'll call a sessionable amount is. Um, 
And part of it is just like behavior and psychology I'm used to. Like I'm used to like a soda or a beer or whatever it is comes in a particular container. I know what's in that. I'm going to drink that. I can have one or more of them. And it, um, and just human laziness, it's just a slightly less effort than like pouring a little bit of one thing into another thing. Um, and then figuring out, you know, the dosage like that, but everyone is a little bit different. I know Rodney, you said that almost all of your sales, how many of your sales are all in the large, uh, higher concentration? About 98% of ours are the higher concentration. So in, in Washington's a little bit different than yeah. some of the other states that we have to actually have a dosing mechanism, you know, on the bottom of our bottle, we have a dosage cup on our bottom of our bottle. So to your point, you know, I personally, I'm a very, very uh, low tolerance guy. I mean, I wish I've never tried a dab. It's too much for me. I love smoking flour, but I'm like a two hit wonder and then I'm going to be fine. But I'm a five or 10 milligram guy when it comes to drinks. You know, I can pour a little cup of this and up into my truly or I can drink it like a shot. But, uh, you know, I do enjoy a low dose drink. I enjoy our 10 milligrammers. I've enjoyed a can or a Pabst or some of the brands out there where I can just sip and enjoy a whole can. But I also understand the value to the customers to buy a high dose drink and be able to dose themselves multiple servings at a much cheaper price point. Yeah, I will. If I could add on that, like what Rodney was saying earlier about multi-serve format and, um, you know, the concentration, like the way that customers are perceiving even high dose drinks, you know, at Uncle Arnie's, it's always been about the crack it and smack it. And that's like what we've always promoted, but to your point, what you were saying is, you know, I love low dose beverages. When I drink a drink, like I'm usually doing 20, 30 mags. And to me, that's a low dose. That's like a way I start my night just so I can continue to smoke and take a dab or I can continue yeah. to consume other products without getting completely obliterated before the end of the night. Cause I want to be completely obliterated by the end of the night, but I want to be able to work my way through that. And, uh, I think both categories have a place to live, you know, and in California, it's, it's 53% is purchasing hundred milligrams, but are, are all of those people actually consuming it all at one time? No, probably not. Uh, and what it's Jake, correct? Yeah. Yeah. What you were saying, Jake, like being able to pop open a drink and just have more sessionable, a lot of consumers, I agree to that for sure, because a lot of consumers, the way that we think about beverages and the way that we've been consuming beverages for a very long time, and especially alcohol specifically, is, you know, you crack open a can, you drink it, crush it, throw it away, or you crack open a soda, take a couple sips, you leave it there for the entire day, you're, it's flat, you crush it, throw it away. And, uh, you know, a lot of consumers that are using those kinds of products, you know, they usually don't want to have that extra step, right? Like the extra step process can be a little bit complicated for some people, but then there's also the value proposition to it that inclines a lot of those people to want to purchase a multi-serve format and have those cocktails or mocktails or whatever you want to call them. But I'm a huge believer in the 10 milligram soda line too, as well. You, you see me promoting Mary Jones and all those other guys yeah. and mixing up Arnie's with it and consuming those ones, those single serve uh, kind of products, you know. It's, it's important to remember too, I, I keep hearing people uh, say, oh, well, are, are high dose drinks safe? Is a hundred milligram drink safe? And it, it drives me nuts. And I don't know if it's infighting in the industry, if it's... Uh, people lobbying for, uh, you know, positioning in, in Congress. I don't know where it's coming from, but what I can tell you is 
you know, you don't go to the store and buy a bottle of medicine and and just drink it. You you look at the dosing requirements on that package of medicine and you dose accordingly. Every cannabis beverage in the United States has dosing requirements on the package that tells you how much to have for a dose. Now, the thing that I will say to that is knowing your dose. Like Jake, you mentioned you're a lower dose. Avi, you're you're a lower dose. I'm super low dose, but you know, my son-in-law might be able to drink, you know, two or three bottles of 100 milligram. Um, that's just his tolerance. Um, it's important to know what your dose is to get the most out of any cannabis edible, whether it's a beverage or a gummy or whatever it may be. If you try 10 milligrams and it's not your bag, well, I don't feel anything. And you may just hate edibles. Well, they're not for me, I guess. I ate a gummy and it didn't do anything. Well, maybe you need two gummies. Maybe you need 20 milligrams. Maybe you need 30 milligrams. But I always encourage people, you don't, you don't start out by having... 10 milligrams and then an hour you don't feel anything you have another 10 milligrams and you don't feel anything you have another 10 milligrams all of a sudden you feel overwhelmed you start out with a dose five or 10 milligrams and say well did that affect me i'm, I'm speaking specifically to the to the can of curious right now you you start out with a drink uh, or a edible you try an amount if it doesn't do anything today if you didn't get the desired effect you wanted then wait till tomorrow to try the 10 milligrams or and to increase your dose figure out where your sweet spot is once you know where your sweet spot is, you know, hey, I can eat two gummies. I can have 20 milligrams of a liquid edible. You'll have a, a window of where you know you're going to want to be either go up or down from there. If you're a new consumer and you drink 100 milligrams of a drink and you're overwhelmed and you think, well, that's not for me either. You know, that's you, you can you can go the wrong direction in a hurry with this. So to me, knowing your dose is super important and regulatory wise, they tie our hands. I can't really, you know, start a know your dose campaign, although I think we're going to try uh, to do something like that to educate people. But, um, you know, the state wants us to tell us a dose is 10 milligrams and that's what you're going to have. That's a dose. And there's 10 servings in that bottle. So I know that's a pretty long winded way of saying that this. Yeah. This high I, um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, the, high, the dose thing is is an issue. Although I will say that so far, I, I mostly hear stories of people that um, did not wait until tomorrow to try their second edible. Um, oh, just, yeah. You know, in fact, I don't think I've heard any story that started that way. But um, I guess there's an education factor there. Yeah, it's no different. No, you know, beer, beer, and alcohol in general. Um, you know, jumping from from cannabis. If you were to Google the top two cannabis or the top two beverage alcohol companies in the United States, number one, they tell you is Anheuser-Busch. Number two is they tell you is Jack Daniels. And to me, that's a perfect picture of high and low dose, right? Your beer is your low dose. Your Jack Daniels is your high dose. Yeah, you can drink a case of beer and get sick, or you can drink a whole bottle of Jack Daniels and get sick, but it's up to the consumer to use it responsibly. Yeah, we, I like to always say you can build up to your high. You can't build down from your high. Yeah, you, the, you you eat an edible or have something and the train left the station. You don't get to get off the train until it comes to a complete stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, for most of our customers out in Garnies, it's kind of funny. Half of the time, the story is always, well, I drank one of your entire drinks and I didn't feel it, you know? And it's funny to even hear customers say that because those people that are even high dose too as well, not even low dose, don't even know their own dose. You know what I mean? Uh, and I always tell those people like, you know, the product's affordable enough for you to be able to buy too. That's, that's the idea and the design of it, right. Is to be able to purchase multiple at one time. Unfortunately, we can't make, you know, 
it's not like Jack Daniels where we can have one big thing of liquor, but there are some people that can drink an entire bottle of Jack Daniels and not even feel it, you know, and they end up having to take two. So it's all about, all about knowing your dose and knowing your way of consuming and how to also consume in different ways too, as well. Like maybe the hundred milligrams and drinking a whole entire hundred milligrams. is just the way that you start your night after you smoke a joint, maybe it's fully activated from that point. You know what I mean? But most people just take it and they either turn away from it or they're going back to their gummies or there's people that are low dose and they end up taking too much because they're uneducated on how much they should actually be drinking. And their friend just said, Hey, this drink tasted really good. And then they're ending up being scared away from, uh, scared away from actual cannabis beverages. That's what makes the 10 milligram and the five milligram line so beautiful too, as well as because those people can try one of those single serve settings uh, without having to try an Uncle Arnie's or Ray's lemonade and getting completely obliterated from it and scared right from the moment, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think when you, um, and when I think about it from a social perspective, let's say you're going to a barbecue or a party and you're going to bring something, you know, I would feel a lot more comfortable handing someone who doesn't have a lot of experience, just handing them a five milligram can of something, a bottle. I, I, I actually meant a physical can, not the brand can, but it could be can um, or a Glarney's um, because most people around don't understand what their dosage levels are, right? So starting them at the bottom, giving them something that tastes good. That's the other key thing, right? Um, there are now beverages that taste good. And I think that, um, that has a huge amount of impact on people going from trying something once to keeping it around, right? There's some cannabis beverages now that are on the shelf that are, you know, like I said, they're five or 10 uh, milligrams and they taste good, right? And it can be a replacement for other behavior. And we'll dive into this. I know that there's people have very different opinions on this, but let's talk about the people replacing alcohol habits with cannabis beverage habits, right? There's definitely something that is happening. um, And, you know, one could argue pretty um, certainly that it's a healthier option. And what I was asking earlier about consumers and their regular behavior, there's a lot, you know, millions of Americans have a pattern where they're going to go to the grocery store, pick up some stuff with dinner, and then grab a bottle of wine or a six pack of beer. Right. And then they've, they've, they're on that program and maybe it's not every day. Maybe it's just Fridays or Saturdays or whatever, but there's an ongoing cycle. And so the ability to, to replace that beer or wine with a cannabis beverage and get people to do that on a regular basis, you absolutely have to get the taste right. Because even if something is having a desired effect, if it tastes like medicine, it's no longer part of like your sort of culinary experience. Right. Hundred percent. That that and I don't know. I mean, we hear it all the time from people. Hey, we, I've stopped drinking, and I I drink rays or cannabis beverages solely. Um, we've heard people talk about getting off opiates as well, um, using the cannabis beverages. But I think uh, in general, there are a lot of people replacing their alcohol consumption. I I exactly for myself, for instance, you know, before I started using rays lemonade, I would drink a lot of tequila when I'd sit down to drink because I really love good tequila. If I drink some Rays, I drink one or two drinks of tequila. I get the same desired effect, and I, I'm sure my liver thanks me. I think a lot of Americans in general are understanding that it's much, much safer than alcohol consumption 
for a lot of reasons. I mean, you typically don't drink uh, Uncle Arnie's or a Ray's or any of these cannabis beverages and want to go out and race your car or get in a fist fight or go do something crazy. Typically pretty mellow and want to chill out and relax, you know? Yeah. The, you know, I feel like it's an interesting debate between the whole alcohol and cannabis thing. I've never, you know, I'm all, for me, I think that there's a great comparison between the two and, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of cannabis beverage brands, and this is just my take that are leaning completely on trying to win the alcohol consumer and getting them to convert over when it's been a hundred year old tradition and that we've been subjected to well actually over a hundred years and something that's also been a part of it for way, way longer. I mean, what us here at Uncle Arnie's, we don't really promote that that much. And I'm similar to be, I'm indifferent about the way that you market to the alcohol consumers, but we do have a ton of people that tell us, you know, that they've left alcohol and they're going to cannabis beverages, but I don't know if like the, the entire market is going to um, completely switch over to cannabis beverages. It's definitely a healthier alternative, but I feel like a lot of those people that have alcohol problems just need to address the issue. You know, like the real issue is, is that you have an issue with getting too fucked up and converting to cannabis beverages is definitely a great way in getting consumers to go over uh, from there to now consuming cannabis. But ultimately it's still a vice at the end of the day, right? It's definitely way healthier, but it's still a vice that we're continuing to, allow those people to enable when there's a deeper issue that's happening with them. Um, but I think it's a definitely a super safe way to make a transition, but it's just interesting to me, like always hearing that debate because there's so many cannabis beverage brands that are like solely hoping to God that all these alcohol consumers are going to transition over versus trying to address the real market and the real market, the market share opportunity, which is trying to get people that are consuming gummies and brownies and cookies and all the other edible ways that you can consume and getting them to understand that beverages is a part of the ingestible category uh, and the edible category too, as well. And not leaning on those subcategories that are outside of cannabis and trying to convince them that now cannabis is the new thing that they can come and try. You know, it's almost like the whole debate on microdosing versus high dosing and people trying to get people that are the new consumers to come into the cannabis space without addressing the the major market that's continue that's laying there and the revenue that's laying there and the opportunity that's there and getting them to try to convert first, you know? So let's unpack that from a marketing perspective, right? If you're, um, it is relatively straightforward, I think from a marketing messaging perspective to say, this is a replacement for this other thing, right? So now you have a cannabis beverage where you would, and you could use some, like I said, some standard imagery, people at a barbecue, around a grill, hanging out with drinks in their hands. That's pretty well ingrained in our head is something you would see like for a beer commercial or a white claw commercial or whatever it is, right? People having fun, looking great, drinking something. So from a marketing perspective, it's pretty easy to ride on the coattails of that and just position your beverage in the same similar context, right? Um, And there's not a lot of education happening there psychologically. Now for Uncle Arnie's, if you're not, really pursuing that as a marketing message it sounds like you're pursuing more of the endemic existing consumer based in the marketing space and or in the cannabis space and you're trying to educate them that there's you've got this liquid category that is similar to other products and they're in a physical form um how do you communicate that to consumers um at least for at least for us at uncle arnie's is 
is always just trying to convert those consumers to trying trying the trying the edibles and the beverages. May that be text message campaigns. That may that be um, cross promotions with um, dispensaries, house brands, and things like that. And getting the person that's buying a half ounce every single week that says, you know, I I don't do edibles. I'm only a flower smoker. To be like, dude, it's weed. Like. <laughs> You like weed, right? Okay, give this a shot. You can mix it up. There's multiple ways that you can use it, and even through even through uh, Instagram too, as well. You know, our marketing. Unfortunately, we lost our main account, which was a bummer two months ago. But now we've put in a lot more effort to try to bring the more can of tail uh, aspect to it, so people could understand how to low dose yourself. But more so too, as well, is just getting the consumers to crack getting the consumers to understand that they can crack it and smack it or drink it and, and promoting that way. That's how we've been at least able to address it from that side of things. And the price point too, as well, you know, like a cookie, a big Pete's cookie or something like that, that might be, you know, 15 to $17 and it being a very old way. Plus it's always the horror story that you've heard for the last 30 years is like, Oh no, I'm good on edibles. I ate a cookie and uh, I'm fucking scared of edibles now. And now it's like, hold on. Now there's something that's way more fast acting. There's dosing, there's precise dosing on it. Here's the education about nano emulsion, the way that it affects your body. Here's something new that you can try out. I see that you're buying a half ounce of flour a week. I know that you used to eat edibles. Here's a new liquid base edible that is way faster acting, more precise on dosing and uh, is an enjoyable experience. Marketing is tough, though. I mean, we have rules that are so different in every state yeah. of what you can and can't do and how you can reach out to people and how you can educate people and what kind of pictures you can have and what kind of text you can have. It's really it, it ties our hands in a lot of ways and how we can get education out to the consumers. You know, in-store events are great to be able to educate buyers. I'm still surprised um, how many times I talk to people that know nothing about cannabis and they ask me what I do. I say, we make a cannabis lemonade. Like you could, you can put cannabis in a drink. They have no idea that you can do that. So there's still this massive untapped market um, with a crap ton of regulation of how we reach that market and share that information. So word of mouth is one of the greatest things we have as an industry. You know, you put, uh, you're at a party and you know you you have a drink and you share it with a friend and they share it with 10 friends and they share it with 10 friends and pretty soon you have a new loyal fan base of uh, of your of your product in general that starts obviously with the bud tenders but it's really difficult to market to new consumers right now with our regulations i was going to say that too as well like right when you said that i was going to add the bud tenders has been is definitely the biggest thing even for for cannabis beverages. I'm sure it's the same for you, Rodney, like bud tenders in Washington are probably, you know, the leading driver for marketing for you guys. And it's the same for us here too, because those are also the legacy consumers that are the ones that are saying that they don't like edibles and that they only smoke flour. And then once they try the drink, cause they get a free sample. Now they're telling the entire staff that this drink smacks. And then they're going home and telling their friends or posting it online and spreading the word that way. Yeah, if there's a cannabis company that doesn't appreciate bud tenders and what they do for the industry, what they do for the customers that enter the stores, and what they do for every business that sells into the store, they are missing the boat, period. Period. Um, bud tenders are the lifeblood of this industry right now. Um, I don't care how great of a product you have or how bad of a product you have. Um, 
If without the bud tenders, that stuff's not moving. If I walk into the store and I know what I want, I ask for it by name, that's one thing. But there's so many people walking in the store saying, hey, give me an idea. What do you recommend for X, Y, or Z? And they'll fill in the blank for you. And Cheers. so, um, you know, treating uh, treating the bud tenders with the utmost respect and, and honor they deserve is something that we value 100% at Raise Lemonade Comp Canna. It's, uh, it's so important to understand what these people are doing for the industry. Same. And what you were mentioning, Jake, is, you know, how beverages are marketing. And I feel like, I feel like that's the biggest opportunity missed for, for cannabis beverages right now. Every, and that's my controversial mindset on the whole alcohol play is there's so many cannabis beverages that are trying to address everybody outside of the market versus addressing what is here now and getting those people to be the one to address the rest of the market on outside of it. You know what I mean? Because of those constricted marketing uh, laws that we have in California and all across the nation, like it's, you have to spend millions of dollars to try to acquire a consumer that's less than 30% of the space that's living here today versus investing in the people that are actually hustling and moving your products, the bud tenders, the drug dealers, like getting these people that are essentially the corner shop drug dealers and getting those bud tenders and having them be the ones that convert the sales for you. Because if they ultimately don't like your shit, nobody's, they're not going to talk about it. And that's the biggest missed opportunity. A lot more beverage brands are starting to understand this now. And they're stop wait, they're stopping wasting the money on the in-store kind of marketing and making everything look all pretty and shit in the store and making sure that the bud tenders are the one that are getting it in their hands and being the main force driver of of their sales and educating the consumers. Yeah. So um yeah, I agree that the you know the, the bud tenders are the main channel, especially for people that are going to dispensaries now, but Let's uh, play devil's advocate for a minute and talk about the DTC market, which I know that there's lots of distribution challenges as it relates to cannabis. But if we look at the, you know, the CPG industry, which is, you know, where I, I come from CPG marketing, I've been, we've been in cannabis now for five years and we've been trying to bring those tools over. Um, and you're right, Rodney, there's over a thousand laws around advertising in the US. Every state is like operating in a different country. However, like, why couldn't there be the equivalent of like the Dollar Shave Club, right, where there is some sort of amazing, you know, great marketing plan um, and execution and allows cons and, and has enough education around it that that bypasses the retail channel and, and the restrictions that happen there um, and, be, and be able to build a direct relationship with consumers. I don't that has not been done, but. I feel like it's plausible and at some point even likely that that may occur. It may be five years from now, um, but consumers are getting more and more accustomed to subscription type products, getting deliveries once a month, whether it's mud water, which came out of none, nowhere and is super popular. Now you see their ads everywhere or athletic greens, you know, you see their ads everywhere. You start to see consumers um, engage with brands that way. Uh, it is expensive to do and it's hard to get right. Um, but it is a it is a plausible um, scenario that, that could occur. What are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, so California, that truly is that's awesome. I mean, I look forward to doing some of that B two C, you know, sales and, and, and Dave, what's that? One. Yep. Am I? You, you hear me? Okay, Jake. I think I lost my audio. Can you hear? 
Abe, are you there? Can you hear me, buddy? I can hear you, Abe. I can, I can hear you, dude. You can hear us. Right. Okay, cool. <laughs> you got us, Jake? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Abe. You hop on, and then I'll I'll add, too. Uh, you know, the D to C thing, uh, to me, I feel like is too far in advance. Like, there's ways to message and engage with your consumers, but when we're talking like the mud waters and a lot of the subscription box companies, uh, between the limitations that we have on marketing and trying to actually engage with our general consumers, you have to, again, spend millions of dollars in order to get in front of those eyes and acquire those consumers. And I think the biggest thing too, as well is there's a place for D to C and it's, and it's going to happen. Absolutely. But you can't take away right now the experience of being able to walk into a legal cannabis dispensary and the rest of the nation hasn't even experienced that at all. You know, it's the whole, it's even the, it even goes into the whole thing about how delivery service is going to be King and delivery is King over in-store retail experiences. When in my opinion, it's total bullshit. Because nobody, half of the country still hasn't even been able to walk into a legal cannabis store and actually buy cannabis and smell it and see it and engage with somebody that they can finally ask questions to. Um, so I think like the D2C, the D2C market's interesting. We've invested some into the D2C market, but it wasn't super valuable for us uh, here at Uncle Arnie specifically, just because, again, you have to spend so much money to acquire that customer. There have been people that have done it successfully, 710 Labs um Claiborne those are just like two dimension that I've seen actually thrive and kill it in D2C and then on top of that too as well even if you are trying to drive D2C um advertising and communicating to your customers that way you can't ship you know like every state is its own country as you said Jake so you know somebody that's in I can't tell you how frustrated I get when somebody gets so excited about my products living in Georgia and I can't get them their products. You know what I mean? Though that does create the excitement for them in Georgia, how fucking long is it going to be until we get there? You know what I mean? Right. So right. It's, not, it's not wasted dollars or wasted value trying to engage with those customers. But ultimately, we still haven't even broke the barrier of having retail dispensaries in all the stores. We still haven't even broken the barrier on what the real communication is and how education is done at the retail level and retail evolving itself too as well to become even more even more of a successful model because we still hear the horror stories of shops going out of business because they can't pay their bills or they just don't have enough customers coming into their doors because they're going to their next door neighbor. So I see value in it at some point. I, I really do because... You know, the day that I can spend $100,000 and and uh, get somebody to purchase the products and ship it to their store, ship it to their house and having that one on one authentic interaction, uh, I think is super important. I can't wait for that day. But right now, to me, I just don't see it being the time because of the marketing restrictions, it being a state by state situation and the actual retail store experience. Like I'm from Florida, you know, I've been arrested for weed three different times coming here and seeing legalization happening even in Oregon when I moved to the West Coast for the first time and being able to walk into a store and buy a dispensary, I still don't purchase online. I don't I don't do delivery services. And I have tons of delivery customers, 
but that's because I want to go into the store and talk to people. And that's how I am as a person. Anyway, I love talking and being able to have that authentic experience and, um, and actually connecting with somebody one-on-one. I think, I think we're a long time away from D to C being King because that experience is still needed in a lot of other States. Yeah. So speaking of other states, Rodney, you are you, you're you're real strong in Washington, and you're coming to California. Yeah, um, that's a big jump. What's that? How's that going for you? That's a big scary jump. You know, I think uh, um, we've we've built a beautiful facility in Lemoore, California, and uh, excited to enter the market. And you know, it's intimidating. Um, there's California is a is a unique market for sure. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, in my opinion, California started the whole legal movement for cannabis. The OG people are there. I mean, it's a, it's a big, big um, piece of pie to try to, to get into, you know, to carve our little piece of it out is going to be a challenge. And it's something that we're looking forward to the challenge. Um, but California is a market for us that we have to do. We have to be in that market. Um, Washington doesn't make the radar on any analytics report across the country. So um, one of my big frustrations in this industry is I like, well, what's going on with cannabis beverages? And you would never see mention of anything that we were doing. Now, my partners are okay with that. Me, maybe I'm a little too prideful. I mean, we have a team of 40 people now. Um, 2019, when I started, we had four people. Now we have 45 people. And we have a lot of people pouring their heart and souls in this company um, to make a great product to get it in the customer's hands. And yet we don't make the radar anywhere. So to get the, um, not necessarily acknowledgement, but visibility so we can grow, um, California has to be on there. We have to be in California and get some traction there. Um, we're going to be in Canada in the spring. Um, we're opening Michigan and Massachusetts, uh, New Jersey, a couple other states as well. Um, it's a big, it's a big, a big machine with lots of moving parts for sure to get it to happen. But capital is the restricting factor for everybody. It's why, why I'm going to the restroom really quick. Sorry to interrupt. Yes, please, please, man. Uh, it's why people are doing fundraising. Like you see, you know, uncle Arnie's doing a crowdfunding. We just did a friends and family round ourselves. Um, without capital and access to capital, we simply can't grow as fast as we could grow. There's opportunities all around the country. Capital's hard to get right now at a price that we're willing to give it up for. Yeah, you see that across the board in the, in the industry. And it's been like that for better part of a year. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, don't have any control over when that's going to change. And that's a longer conversation and not one we need to get into, but I, I do understand. Yeah, I know, that. man, it's, it is, but it's a true thing. It's a... Uh, you know, there, there's some things that will help the industry when they happen. You know, if we ever get safe banking, that'll help smaller businesses like mine and, and uh, you know, our teams and and Aves and people that just to get loans for equipment even is a, is a treat, you know, to try to figure that out. But but we're getting it done. And uh, California is super exciting. You know, we should have that facility all buttoned up, uh, just finishing up some trade stuff and really hoping that we'll be making drinks in the next 15 to 30 days and start distributing and get into market. So. What will be, assuming you hit uh, your your current goal, um, what will be the timeline from when you decided to get into the California market and the day that you got something on a shelf for a consumer to purchase? How long do you think that process will be? I think that we'll have stuff on the shelf in 45 days um, or less. That's my prediction. Um, 
we're the equipment's installed, the equipment's operational. Um, we we have stores already that have that have uh, had desire to purchase the product. Um, we'll get it distributed, get it into the store, and and uh, get out to customers. Let them try it. Sorry, thanks, guys. <laughs> That's great. Congratulations. That's right, that is super exciting. The first part of my question, though, is when did you when did you start? the journey into California? Like was oh, it a year sure. ago, two years ago? I'm so sorry. I missed that. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say in, in late 2020, we started thinking about um, California as something that we'd want to do. And then early 2021, my partner, Dan Kenny visited many, many cities in California to review cannabis taxes, where, where it'd be a good place, where there's land available, where's the labor pool available um that that started in early 21 we broke ground on that facility in october of 21 and uh we're just wrapping up the finishing touches on the building now okay um yeah that's that's a lot of work um so ave uh ronnie was just talking about capital it it you know at best stunts growth um at worst you know creates a real crisis for you as a business. Uh, I know you're in the middle of doing some fundraising now and you've gone through a couple of cycles. What is it that you've kicked off now? How's it going? Um, and talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, you know, just similar to Rodney's business, we're self-funded uh, and have been to this date. We've raised about 4.2 million in the last three three years, just between all of our friends and families and colleagues. And uh, I was still could hear what uh, Rodney was saying previously. And, uh, you know, capital is definitely the big thing that uh, constrains a lot of people from being able to successfully do out-of-state expansions and things like that. Um, but we're doing the crowdfunding campaign right now. It ends tomorrow for anybody that's listening that possibly wants to invest in Uncle Arnie's and hop on this ride with us. Uh, but things have been going super well with it so far. So, uh, this was just a really unique opportunity for us. And the reason why we took it is because, you know, we wanted to give back to the people that mean the most to us. And that's the bud tenders, the buyers, the loyal fans, um, and the, the mass market to have an opportunity to get in on the ground floor with a private company and ride this ride with us before we start taking those uh, bigger acquisitions and larger money from uh, VC venture capitalists and, you know, strategic partners and things like that. Um, that's what we got going on, you know, and we're utilizing a lot of that cash to fuel our out-of-state expansion growth because we're in two states right now. We're in Oregon uh, and we're also in California. Um, been looking at Washington big time. That's as Rodney was saying, it's uh, it is a market that is um, undervalued by a lot of people. And uh, to me, I think it's one of the biggest opportunities, at least for us as a cannabis beverage brand, because they're the largest market for cannabis beverage. And, uh, you know, we've been watching them and we're going to be launching in Nevada here at the end of March. So you'll be able to find us in Vegas. And then uh, right around 420, we're going to be launching in Michigan, too, as well. And we have two other states that we might actually expand into uh, later this year. We're still just kind of keeping that under the wraps because no contracts are signed yet. So you know, we're using, utilize, trying to utilize our continued friends and family and actual loyal customers and getting them to own a piece of, with us and helping us fuel that growth. 
And then um, for your crowdfunding campaign, you've got it out on the internet. I'm sure you're using all of your you know personal networks to get people in, but without getting into too much detail, you have to appeal to investors or, or people who want to want to put money to work somewhere and it's a private company. So what are the highlight points that you give on your, you know, you've got a landing page somewhere where someone's going to go and you tell your story and you're telling it to an investor, not what you would say to a consumer, which is, you know, this is the product, you're going to enjoy it, but rather here's the opportunity for you as an investor to be a part of something that is going to be, you know, what we think very big. What are the top bullet points that you're trying to convey market size, market position, like, yeah, I mean, market position, market position revenue that we've been able to do for the last three years, um, you know, leveraging that also the out of state expansion and just the comparison between where where alcohol does sit with cannabis beverages and and how people are consuming alcohol and more so even too as well, the the decline of smoking, you know, I think last year they came out that more people were smoking weed than cigarettes now and even so more people are trying to find less ways to combust and consume flour and uh the rev really the revenue our story you know we're not a new company um by any means and usually startups and crowdfunding is for startups that aren't even existing yet and trying to do proof of concept and really just laying home to people that we've been around for three years we've gone from four hundred thousand our first year to 2.7 is what we just ended last year in total rev you know, we have four states coming online. Um, we're going to be doing 6.7 million this year is what we're projected. And, you know, we're only going to continue to grow there and talking about the the opportunity for cannabis beverage and where we sit within California and all the other states that we're going into right now, too, as well. That usually is the most conveying point, even for people that aren't big time investors, because it okay. only costs a thousand dollars to invest. So. Yeah. Um, well, I also, let's see, we're, we're getting close on time, but for anyone who is uh, listening in, if you have any questions, you can put them in the Q&A here. Um, if you have questions for Ava Rodney about their beverages or plans, um, feel free to put those in. If not, we'll just, we'll just keep chatting for the next few minutes. Um, what are, uh, any, is, are there some things that you guys wanted to chat about that I haven't uh, picked your brain about yet that you're maybe you've got a, a bone to pick or a soapbox to get on. Um, not a, not a, or, I don't have a bone to pick, but just, you know, good news in general, you know, that we hear a lot about how the cannabis industry has, you know, turned down this year over the previous two years, which of course COVID definitely gave us a spike that we all really enjoyed from a business perspective in the cannabis industry. Um, but we've seen that kind of fall off. I think flowers down about 20% in Washington state. And I don't know about California or elsewhere, but I think that's pretty common across the board from what I'm hearing. Cannabis beverages year over year, 22 over 21, we're up 8% in, in total um, market share. Um, cannabis beverages in the United States for sales went up 11% in 22 over 2011 and a unit sold that went up 21%. So the story there is, is that this segment is growing. Is it growing as fast as people have predicted? I don't think it is, um, you know, but we are definitely growing when a lot of the industry is stagnant and or losing ground. So that's pretty awesome, I think, as a category. Um, and it speaks to the quality of the beverages hit in the market, I believe, 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, in 2018, it was only one billion uh, in total sales for for cannabis. Excuse me, actually, about seven million for cannabis beverages. And this year, I think it ended around uh, what was it, fifty million in total in total sales. So it's almost a six six x increase. So it's continuing to grow over time. And you know, I think uh, no real bone to pick, but it's tough in our, in our category right now, because, you know, there have been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of people drinking the juice on microdosing and low dose beverages being the thing that's going to make beverages really explode. Um, so I want to thank you, Jake, actually for allowing, you know, Rodney and I to be able to, uh, speak on a platform to talk about, you know, cannabis beverages are doing well, you know, and, uh, People want high dose, people want better flavors, people want better products and better brands. And um, it makes it tough when there's a lot of people that, you know, don't own a beverage company talking about beverage and talking about what they think the prediction of cannabis beverages are going to be, which it's great to hear people's opinion. I love hearing people talk, Um, but it's one of those things where it's like stay in your lane, you know, and allow the people that are actually putting in the blood, sweat and tears. I mean, the last three years, I'm I'm surprised I still have teeth after all the punches in the face that we've that we've gotten from people saying fuck you at the retailer and that they don't believe in cannabis beverage. And three years later, they're now finally convinced and buying fridges and opening up space in the back. So, you know, thanks for being able to allow a platform for him and I to be able to speak on to show, you know, cannabis beverages is going to be one of the next biggest things and it's going to continue to grow. You know, people said that about gummies and all this other stuff. And guess what? Here we are, you know, cannabis isn't going anywhere. We obviously are continuing to have to fight with the regulators and on a state-by-state standpoint, but um, it's not going anywhere. Cannabis beverage isn't going anywhere. It's only going to continue to grow and more people are going to continue to consume as there's more education being eaten into the gummies and the edibles and, you know, the alcohol consumers and the people that are just trying to find um, new vices and ways to consume. So. I'm just going to tag on what Abe was saying there, you know, price per milligram. I don't know if it's the high dose versus low dose. I mean, obviously we sell much more high dose drinks, 55% nationally are hundred milligram drinks, but I think really what the consumers are saying price per milligram is what matters to them. And so would low dose take a bigger um, take a bigger market share if the prices are lower? I think they might take a, a larger market share than they have right now. But Agreed. the thing to remember is packaging is the same cost, whether you put 10 milligrams in or whether you put 100 milligrams in. And so it becomes a price proposition for companies manufacturing the drinks. Hey, it only costs me, you know, 30 cents less to make or 40 cents less to make, but I got to sell it for $4 less or $3 less makes it really difficult to compete against the higher dose where you get, there is some profit left on the bone for that one. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, We do have a question here from Aaron um, and he is asking when you're entering a new state, what do you do to get your name in the door of dispensaries or, you know, just getting uh, sell in? Um, you guys are both working on getting in other states. So, um, how about it? Uh, oh, go ahead, Dave. No, you take the crack, man. Yeah. I just to say for us, it's really in-store presence by myself, by Ray, our team, um, going and meeting buyers, meeting bud tenders, um, 
you know, being a part of that store activation to help us uh, help gain the trust. Really, ultimately, what we want to do is gain the trust of buyers and retailers and consumers that Raise Lemonade is going to put out a quality product each and every time. It's going to taste great, have great effect every time. And, uh, you know, the way we do that is everything we do. I mean, whether it's just the interaction, a phone call, a visit to the store, the delivery, providing a quality drink and a quality package, everything we do impacts that effort of getting into stores. So, um, you know, for us here at Uncle Arnie's, you know, three months ago, we just entered Oregon. So that was a, an experience in itself. And especially being a California brand coming into a Northwest, Northwest territory, it's always F Californians. So it's, it, you know, it's tough. There's no easy way to get around it, period. Um, and I think it's exactly what Rodney said, you know, the biggest thing that's always missing in this space for sure is, you know, owners like us getting off their ass out of the computer and getting in front of their customer and putting their money where their mouth is and backing their brand. And we did that for the first three years. I mean, up until I want to say like four months ago, just because of all the out-of-state expansion that we're doing, you know, I was doing ride-alongs with my team once a month. And that's with every single one of my, every single one of my, uh, my sales reps. And that's like going to the dispensaries, introducing myself as one of the founders and getting them hyped on the product. Um, and then I think another part of it too, as well, depends on the, it depends on the model that you're trying to do for the out-of-state expansion. You know, Rodney's come in here and built it himself uh, between manufacturing. I don't know what he's doing for distribution, but when it comes to distribution and trying to identify those partners um, in each new state, I feel like that's also um, probably one of the biggest things uh, that you have to focus on is making sure you have quality partners and people that believe in what you're doing and are willing to go through that bloody battle and that fight for you too as well. Because even though states have had beverages, it's the same story over and over again in new states that haven't had a brand that's been successful and has made enough noise and and actually gotten a loyal fan customer base. So identifying your distribution partner, making sure that they're a quality distribution partner with a lot of relationships and more importantly, service those relationships to a quality standard that you're happy with too as well, I think is like the biggest thing that I've noticed just entering in new spaces, you know, we partner with Nimble Distribution. They have great initiatives, over 200 dispensaries. Um, and they've, you know, really put us on their back and advocated for beverage. And without that, you're not able to be successful anywhere. I'm just one guy, you know, same with you, Ronnie, yeah. you're just one guy. It's uh, a good point, man. Like if, if you're not partnering with somebody that A, has the desire to grow with you and the ability to grow with you, you're partnering with the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, though, if we start talking about a national stage, you either you can't. There's only so many places you can be at one time, right? And so you'll either have to build a strong, you know, business development team that is moving around. But you know, that's going to be you're going to need to support that eventually with marketing of some sort. Um, and being able to do marketing also helps with sell in as well as sell through, right? So if you go into a retail location and say, "Hey, I have this new product I'm bringing to the market." And I'm coming upstream in a category that people that don't haven't been a fan of necessarily. You know, if you can also say, "Hey, I'm going to support this with a marketing program in your market and drive people to your store," um, we've seen that be really effective when we've run. You know, when we work with brands, we work with a lot of retailers and, and dispensaries, 
when we work with brands, it's always in conjunction with the retailer or dispensary because we need to send the consumer somewhere. We'll, we won't dive back in a DTC right now, um, but we have to send the consumer somewhere to purchase the product. Uh, but that sales process of getting on the shelf, you, they're more receptive if, if they know you're going to support it with marketing. Um, and while there are challenges and you can't advertise on Facebook or any of that, um, you can run you know digital marketing today in same people, but in other places, right? We've gotten most mainstream publishers to take cannabis ads at this point. So, you know, we can run ads on CNN, um, can't do Facebook yet, but um, there is a certain amount of marketing that, that will help uh, facilitate that. Yeah, it's changing, right? A little bit at a time. And I think we're going to see, you know, hopefully at some point we'll have some unity and some consistency across the different state platforms of how we can market, you know, in each state the same. That's going to be a beautiful thing when it happens. And maybe long after I'm out of the industry, I'm an old guy. I'm not young like Abe and have a lot of years left in me, you know, so. I, you know what? I um, Here's my, I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not, but I don't see that happening very likely because a lot of the advertising laws are, they're adjacent to either alcohol or tobacco laws that have been in place for a very long time. Um, yep. and have not moved very much right so there's all kinds of weird there's as many weird uh laws around alcohol actually as well like you can't advertise in some states on certain days of the week or after certain period like hours of the day um right so i would like to think that it would get easier but i um i'm not optimistic that the advertising laws are going to get any less complicated anytime soon <laughs> well it's the same you know i think you know, like when you talk national legalization, there's a lot of people in our segment of the industry like, boy, we get national legalization. We're going to be on the on the at the convenience store on the shelf right next to the beer. I don't yeah. think so. that's yeah. my opinion. I, I think that you're still going to go through a licensed cannabis store to buy your cannabis beverages for a long time. Maybe eventually you'll be on those shelves. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Great. Well, we're we're a little over on time. I just kind of it was the conversation was interesting, so I wanted to let it roll. Um, I do want to give you guys an opportunity to just tell everyone how they can reach you if they want to ask you questions or if they're interested in a, a crowdfunding campaign or whatever else you have going on. Yeah, go ahead, Eve. Uh, you know, this is LinkedIn. You already know the deal. Just DM me. Uh, don't hit me with some spam shit. I'm not going to answer it just flat out be genuine. And I'm always willing to connect with people, uh, social media. I'm on a save. You can follow me on Instagram. We're pretty active there. I run the uncle Arnie's account. So if you're talking to anybody on uncle Arnie's, it's me 99% of the time. And, uh, those are the, the most viable means of way to be able to get in contact with me and head over to seedinvest.com and click on the uncle Arnie's profile. And, you know, hopefully we can have you on board as an investor. Cool. Thanks, Abe. Yeah. Good luck on all that too, Abe. That's awesome. Thanks, um, bro. You obviously can get me on LinkedIn as well. Um, you can get me at Rodney at RaiseLemonade.com if you want to send me an email. And I agree with Abe. You know, we get spammed every day from people trying to sell us something. So um, I, I appreciate everybody's heart and entrepreneurial nature. But uh, I get, you know, 300 emails a day from people simply trying to sell me something. So uh, if that's your intent, uh, it better be really good. Or I'm probably not going to look <laughs> at it. Just being yeah. real.
that makes sense. But uh, we thank Jake. Thank you for this opportunity to come on and talk. I mean, I think this segment is going to get more attention the next, you know, four or five years, the next couple of years as it continues to grow, um, as we continue to get traction, as we see more national brands like Jones Soda come into the mix too. You know, it's going to be uh, really fun. We're excited to be partnering with them in Washington um, to help their production distribution needs here in the state and uh, at our facilities to be able to offer some co-packing and make the use of the lines. It's awesome to see these national brands and other people come to play the table. That's great. Well, thanks for the time. Both of you have some interesting perspectives, which I think that very few people have and understand or you're you're in a, a category where as you said a, a lot of people are just dismissive of cannabis uh beverages as a category um and i think some of that happens with just you know you go to industry conferences or, or mixers and people talk and a lot of times a couple people say things and then it just keeps getting repeated right throughout social circuits and we're just like oh cannabis beverages aren't a thing um, and that has yeah. been a rather pernicious rumor that's been around for a while. So it's nice to have you guys out here talking. About you know, Jake, to those to, to those folks, Jake, I would just say, you know, um, raise lemonade in Washington State. If we compared revenue for revenue to every category, we'd be first in four categories: edibles, beverages, um, concentrates, and pre rolls. We're second in flour and third in vape carts. If you compared revenue to revenue. Wow. And we're the seventh largest cannabis company out of 1,200 cannabis companies in the state. And all we do is drinks. So to the people that say, oh, cannabis beverages aren't a real thing, I'd give you a little bit of an argument there. Those are compelling arguments. If you check us out in California, I mean, we're the number seventh largest edible brand competing yeah, with Wild and Kiva. So if you believe in the gummy category and you don't believe in beverages, keep talking because the revenue will just keep on proving you wrong. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Um, this has been Cannabis Marketing Live. I'm your host, Jake Litke. Uh, for Media Gel, we do compliant digital marketing for cannabis brands and retailers. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.